stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome back to Administrative Static. Mark and I are very pleased to be joined by Peggy Little, who has been, uh, she put in our amicus brief in SEC v. Jarsky, and we were all at the, uh, we were at the argument yesterday. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I saw the National Law Journal this morning. Their reading was that Jarsky's going to win. Um, Sitting there, that there, I was I was a little more nervous. What did you What did you come away with? Uh, what What was your view? Well, I was very encouraged by Part One, where I think the uh, court did give the Solicitor General um, a pretty hard set of questions, and uh, I'm. What, what was Part One? Just to so Part One was well, it was where the Solicitor General was. Uh, arguing. Oh, okay. You just mean that. Okay. So he yeah, was arguing yeah. that that the Fifth Circuit should be reduced. Yeah, I'll set it up. Yeah. I should have done that. But so uh, it was. Um, I think Principal Deputy Solicitor Fletcher, who yes. I did think came to play. He, uh, he did, but he also had right. some bad answers, right. in my and, view. Yeah, and and so he um, he was questioned for like an hour and fifteen minutes. It was it was a it was a long period of time be on your feet in front of them all, all back and forth. But in any event, so then then our guy got up there and answered their questions as well. And then um, Fletcher came up and wrapped up. So Correct. tell me about part one. Part one, uh, I think, had some very uh, tough questioning from the court and some revealing uh, observations by the justices. I think at, uh, one of the most interesting was uh, the chief himself said, uh, it does seem to me to be curious that unlike most constitutional rights, you have the right to a jury trial until the government decides that they don't want you to have it. That doesn't seem to me to be the way the Constitution operates. And Justice Barrett um, expressed a very similar concern about this being something that is just dispensed at the uh, commission's will and uh, they get to decide which brand of justice you get. So I thought his worst answer, from my perspective, because I did think that he he was playing on each of the justices' known uh, fears and worries. Yes, exactly. I'll say fears and worries because he talked to Barrett that we don't know what's going to happen. The other side hasn't given you any story about what's going to happen. He talked, to, you know, about the disruption of the law to, to uh, Kavanaugh and Roberts. I mean, he, he's like, you know, at each time. But I thought his worst answer from my perspective was that whenever they want to, Congress can, by putting a, a statutory um, a claim in the administrative agency, that your whole your Seventh Amendment rights only depend on the on the venue. Yes, I thought that that was a huge ask. He didn't allow any wiggle. He didn't back down. He said the venue determines the Seventh Amendment rights. And I don't think. I mean, I thought it was it was. Uh, I thought they were all staggered by that. Well, even Kagan, even Justice Jackson. Yeah, yes. Jackson. Yeah, she, she was uh, adamant that it is not uh, the venue 
related question, it goes to the cause of action. She was clearly honestly struggling with that, but she at least had the test correct, although she was focusing on the cause of action, but you also have to focus on the penalties and the remedy um, to to determine when you have a Seventh Amendment right. But I I agree with you. I think it was a major blunder on the part of uh, the Solicitor General, and um, if it, 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 if that's the only test, uh, it, it eviscerates what a constitutional right means because the whole point is there are certain rights that Congress can't take away from you. And he, he basically says once they write in an administrative tri- uh, tribunal, there go your jury trial rights. I also think that delegation um, – well, I, when I came um, out of the courtroom, I thought, well, that was all about jury trial. Isn't that interesting? And no questions on delegation. Well, that, but there were answers on delegation. That's true. Because it, they were very, very concerned about the discretion of the SEC to determine which brand of justice you, you get. Do you get the one that has a jury or the one that has the federal rules and, and the other protections? Or do you get the other one? And it's totally at um, the bureaucrat's discretion and that's really not how our constitutional rights should be delivered. So delegation was slipping in there, both in terms of posing of the question and some of the answers. Uh, Article 3 came up. Um, yes, a lot. A lot. So I think that the delegation question is in there. They're intermixed if you if you really study the issues. And so um, it would to me, it will be very interesting to see how the court frames that. And what was the third question they took? Because they took all three, which I thought was removal questions. Removal, and yeah. there was there was uh, some protection from removal, uh, right? Removal protections, yeah. yes, of, of the ALJs. Now, um, you know, it did not come up much at argument, but there was reference to free enterprise was- fund, and I think. Um, if you recall, Justice Kagan um, in the Axon case said, well, doesn't free enterprise fund pretty much decide this question? And it does. And I, I thought she said that almost here, too. She yes. thought that Atlas Roofing solved this problem and free enterprise solved this problem, which sounded to me like, well, we'll just do a removal thing for here because I think otherwise, I mean, it was very clever. But go, go I ahead. think removal is, it, there's no evidence that removal is not alive and kicking. What I think um, might have happened is that the justices polled and they know what the numbers are on removal. So why take up argument time on that? And, and I guess the other thing, by removal, we mean how you get rid of an ALJ. Exactly. Well, and they t- probably talked about that in your case, Peggy, in the Cochran case, because that was the underlying issue in the case, even though the question presented was on jurisdiction. Correct. And we had briefed all throughout all of our litigation on this issue that Free Enterprise Fund not only decided the jurisdictional question, but the merits. Now, let's get to the second part. So when Jarsky, uh, Jarkasy. Jar- Jarkasy, uh, which is the first thing that um, that uh, his lawyer, um, what's his first name? Mike McCullough. Mike I knew Mike McCullough, you, which, who we know. But in any event, um, the first thing he said was pronounce his name correctly. Uh, he didn't say that to the justices. He said what the right pronunciation was. Uh, because obviously both on this show and on every show I've heard, it has been uh, – it's it, it's like Amici and Amakai. <laughs> but anyway. Or Lucia and Lucia. Yeah, exactly. So uh, what would you think there? Thank God for Cochran. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what what'd you think there? Um, on, the, on, yeah. on, on his argument. Well, I think uh, – 
there was some sense, I think, that this was his first time before the court. Right. And so I think the justices that, when I was counting noses, seemed to be favorably uh, viewing Mr. Jarkissi's case. I think they sort of retreated um, and didn't ask him a lot of questions. Well, how about the, the ones that they asked, though, I thought were... A- a little bit because he he was boxed in because he wasn't asking for an overturning of Atlas Roofing. Correct. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. And in fact, from his theory of the case, there's no reason to overrule Atlas um, Roofing. One of the things he didn't say, he was asked by Kavanaugh how the SEC adjudications differ from the uh, in court. And he gave a lot of good answers about procedure, about the fact that you don't get uh, discovery about the fact that you you have to do this real quick, and they've all prepared, and it's a lot of good answers. But I know Kavanaugh was asking ninety five percent of the victory in SEC and seventy percent or sixty five percent in court, and I thought that that was the answer that he was looking for. It's in the briefs though, so it shouldn't matter. But I did think the other thing I th- I thought he had a great answer that in this case they actually pled common law fraud, whatever 10B was. And Kagan kept asking him, well, aren't there different elements? And Gorsuch was saying, well, they're not really that different. But the answer is, yes, there are different elements, but that makes it worse because they've taken away from the government the burden to prove all these things. You can't take away the burden to prove all these things and then shove it in an administrative agency where you get even less protections. That should not be the result. And I, I think, and in fact, it's so close to fraud, Justice Kagan, that they didn't know how to plead it without pleading common law fraud in this case. Right. That was the answer. I thought. Yeah. And I think, again, that's something they can can find in the briefing and in the pleadings. But yeah, there were um, opportunities there that I think uh, you've you've identified. But I don't think that there was a lot of damage done in terms of concessions. Oh, no, 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 obviously not. Because the, 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 it was all there, particularly the bit about, look, this was just like common law fraud. They pled it that way whatever the requirements are, and you don't have to do this any differently because this this falls into your cases where you've said Congress can't jigger around with the common law claim and then say it's something different. He was very clear on that, and he went back to that well many times, and I think that should be the answer with 10, 10B. I mean, I, I certainly think, you know, when the SEC comes out and charges you, the first thing in their press release is you're a fraudster, not that you've violated the it's a security violation, right? right? They call you a fraudster because they want the badges of fraud all over you, and they want to call you a fraudster. I mean, it's not like it's not like fraud. And that's also one reason um, uh, I think the court could rule narrowly in Mr. Jarkissi's favor here because uh, there was a lot of discussion in, in about how is this going to spill over into other agencies, even a reference to whether there should be supplemental briefing on that point, which— Yeah, he volunteered that. He did. Uh, that's really not a fair question to anyone at this argument. The, the court hadn't asked for that kind of supplemental briefing, and a lot was made of it. But— the SEC is unique in this fraud um, claim and, and the incredibly uh, damaging um, effects of a fraud claim. It's somewhat different than, say, immigration or some of the other it, examples that they were given. And so I think that, that the court is free to come to a fairly narrow ruling in Mr. Jarkissi's favor. I, I think you're right about that, but let's hope it's a little bit broad. I, well, I think they could reach all three questions for sure. 
All right, we'll be right back with Peggy again. <laughs> <laughs> 